Welcome back. It's another episode of Salad. It's another week. And uh, we just had a great interview with Allison McMorty last week. Go check that out if you missed it. And you may be wondering, Trent, where was the episode two weeks ago? You didn't you didn't upload. You didn't post. You lied. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but in a week where Lil Nas X comes out with an Area 51 video featuring Mason Ramsey saying giddy up or giddy out the way and all these moon things and you know, just, just life in general, like, you know, you got to take a week to really just enjoy just life and to enjoy the little Nas X video, to enjoy the area 51 memes and to catch up on Comic-Con stuff. So we're here, we're back and we are um, ready to get rolling. Um, how are you both doing? Uh, you were both just in San Diego, right? Partying it up. We were, we were actually there, uh, during Comic-Con. We didn't go to Comic-Con, unfortunately, but we were downtown uh, wandering the streets with all of the the people who were attending Comic-Con, uh, feeling a little envious that we weren't inside, but also really taking in the city and, and all of the amazing costumes that we saw along the way. Mm-hmm. It was it was awesome. Being down there was, it was honestly so cool during that weekend. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw an Ewok grinding on a stormtrooper at one point. Though, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> some pretty uh, questionable behavior down there. Definitely questionable. Get that checked out. To that point, it was pretty crazy, <laughs> and it took three hours to get home. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not too. We also enjoyed the beach for most of it, though, which was great. Because there you uh, go. I needed that. I think I'm still burnt. I mean, it's only been like a day, but two times since I've been in LA. (laughs) Yeah. I gotta gotta get out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I found my bouldering gym though. So I'm happy about that. Um, But let's talk about the moon. Um, It was the, the anniversary of the moon landing. The big, was it the five O or was it the four O? It's the five O, right? Five O, I think. Yeah. Nineteen years over the hill. And uh, <laughs> all these brands were celebrating it in crazy ways. Um, a personal favorite, as uh, Zach pointed out, Oreo came out with a moon Oreo, the marshmallow moon cookie. Marshmallow moon. Um, <laughs> and some marshmallow flavored cream. So if you're like me and you want to try it, go to Amazon right now. They've got a five pack for $27. Um, <laughs> that's deal you'll get. <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> they're already yeah. that expensive. <laughs> Actually, be cheaper to go to the moon and build your own moon That's Oreos. True. And then the moon's made of cheese coal, and uh, these are marshmallow filled. <laughs> That's true. It wouldn't be a very tasty Oreo. <laughs> no, I don't know if cheese and chocolate really work. As much as I'd love to give it a shot, I don't mm-hmm. think I can pull the trigger on that one. Um, but yeah, in the Area 51 memes, it's interesting. Uh, Bud Light, even uh, like their internal agency, came out with a a uh, photoshopped photo. I don't know if you saw this of like their Alien 51 beer <laughs> or Area 51 beer, and it was yes, like if this gets 50,000 retweets, we'll actually release this. And I don't know where it's at now, but it is pretty fucking funny. And uh, I believe in the internet; it's gonna make it. Yeah, right. And it, if you look at the can too, it's funny. Like just their branding on it. Um, like they call it the space beer and it's like universally renowned. Um, it's like way to really kind of like make a joke about something going on in pop culture, but also somehow slip in the fact that your beer is the best in the universe. It's like, I kind of, I, I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, this is pretty funny. Yeah, trademark classified. The copy on it is Greetings, Earthlings. This is the famous Area 51. We know of no space beer by any other life form which is brewed in age to be more refreshing. Our cryogenic aging process produces a light-bodied space lager with a fresh taste, a crisp, clean finish, and a smooth drinkability. Take us to your leader for drinks. <laughs> for drinks. And there's uh, no corn syrup in that, right? Um, you know, it's legally debatable. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, you know... <laughs> Those of you who don't get that, uh, the, the the corn syrup ads kind of got shot down. I, I think we talked about that on a previous episode, but it's interesting to see how that goes. Um, but there's another one. There's another one. Our favorite Volkswagen um, also has been kind of tying into the moon. And I think we wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, Zach, you just watched the spot. Do you kind of want to explain the TV commercial and then I'll kind of explain um, their their campaign tag that they've got going on now? Uh, yeah, sure. So Volkswagen released a new spot uh, to commemorate us landing on the moon. Uh, and it's its focus is the majority of the ad spends time just showing pictures from that time period and kind of marveling at the amazing feat that we accomplished in landing on the moon. Um and really paying homage to that, that success, honestly. Um, but then at the end, it, it kind of takes a step back and speaks to that in that time in 1969, we all rallied behind one mission and that one mission was to get to the moon. Uh, and then they spin it and speak to the fact that there's a new mission that we need to rally behind. And that mission is saving our, our home planet of earth. Uh, because of climate change and it ties into their initiative of their uh, electric cars and all of their environmental missions that they're moving forward with now. Uh, and so that's really, that's really the centerpiece of the spot. And um, it's obviously a huge push. I mean, this isn't the first spot that they've done with the the drive bigger tagline focusing on their electric vehicles. It's really becoming the, the centerpiece of their company at this point as far as i can see it's really what they're pushing for uh so it's a really big deal and they've invested a lot of money into both the production of the cars and the um charging stations around the world and then also obviously their marketing and their advertising so huge deal for volkswagen another banger (laughs) (laughs) Uh, budget and 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 statements being made so a big deal of a spot (laughs) Keeping it ASU friendly. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my, oh my, good lord. Um, yeah, I mean, Cole, mm-hmm. what did you think about it? I definitely have some thoughts, but I just want to hear from you too on your take before we really dive into this and go interstellar. Um, I think I think it's kind of interesting um, in a lot of ways because you know the moon landing. It's it's like a celebration. You know, it's almost like the Olympics in a little bit of a way. It's something that the whole world can celebrate, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of interesting, and it kind of is an interesting moment. You know, that I think allows brands to really think about big things and do these kind of broad uh, strokes uh, to kind of build out one, their brand and kind of where that's going, but then also to um, give people something good to kind of be feel nostalgic about. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing is, you know, when we're looking at, uh, you know, space travel, we usually think of that as the future. But um, really, I think what this ad does especially is it really has us looking backwards for most of it. And I mean, it, it is an anniversary, obviously, so it's only right to kind of think about what got us to this point but i think it's 
interesting now that we see ourselves kind of on the precipice of possibly, you know, another space race within the next 10 or year, 15 years or so, who knows. Um, but certainly Elon Musk and uh, other foreign governments would like to see that that take off as well. And so it, it's kind of interesting and in looking back, seeing the things that brought us together then can still be the things that bring us together now and in the future. And I think that Volkswagen capitalizing on that is a really good opportunity for them. Uh, again, it seems like they're kind of trying to cast a really wide net um, to be more future focused. <laughs> um, and that's really what we see a lot of, again, a lot of automakers doing um, as well. And, you know, that's uh, what Ford's doing and Volkswagen's kind of uh, lockstep uh, figuring out their strategy for both electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. Yeah. And so I think this kind of ties into that really well. No, definitely. Um, and like, it's an interesting point. I mean, it is interesting because it's always like people want to go to other planets and like, you know, I'm just thinking about the movie Interstellar and it's like, we have to go to other worlds because our earth is dying. And like, I feel like with this spot, it's like, all right, we've, we've gone to other worlds. Now let's focus on home kind of thing. Like there's an interesting, like mm-hmm. kind of flip there. That's kind mm-hmm. of cool. I just want to say like, first of all, I think the spot is incredible. And I think what Johannes Leonardo is doing is incredible creatively for Volkswagen, but it's interesting. I mean, we, we talked about this on a previous episode, so go check that out if you haven't yet. Um, I think it was episode 22 or something. It's in the title. You'll find it. Um, but, you know, we, we look at it and, you know, I've been getting a ton of Volkswagen ads now. So I've been nerding out and looking into them and looking at their landing pages. And there was this copy that was when we drive something bigger than ourselves, we change the destination. And I think that that's a really well-written line. I think it's a great way to bring life uh, to their drive bigger tag, but um, it's interesting. I mean, here's the thing, like it, it feels like, like at one point they even say bigger begins with you. And it's like, I, I think that that's the wrong strategy. And I'm curious for your thoughts on this, but if you have like a world, like, like I was just reading like a Deloitte mega trends, you know, study today. And it's like, it talks about how the world is slowly disengaging, um, both because of technology and because of all these other things that are going on in the world where people are getting more and more divided. Um, I think you have a lot of people that are scared about the future, whether because of climate change or whether because of political instability or a lot of shit going on. So you have a lot of people disengaging and sticking their heads in the sand. And I think the last thing anyone wants to hear is this is what you need to do to make things better. And frankly, while it's great communication, we talked about the risk of Volkswagen calling back to their, their fraud that they committed that they were sued billions over. And we said, well, it's not a bad thing to bring up this spot or their, their failures, you know, cause they're trying to correct them in the spot. But I think it's a little bit of a extra step that I don't quite give Volkswagen the credit to believe yet for them as a company that fucked up so badly a couple of years ago to then start telling me how I need to do better. I just think it's a little bit of a bold move. I think people don't want to be told 
like that they need to make a difference or do things. I think people just want to know that there's a plan and know that someone else is taking care of it. Like, and I think like, it'd be much better for a company to say, Hey, we've put a lot of thought into this. We're doing the work so you don't have to worry. Here's what we're doing. And here's how you can get involved if you want, but it's not as big of an onus on the person. So it's just, it's interesting. I get why Volkswagen's doing it, but I feel like it doesn't feel quite as authentic given their company's past over the past couple of years. And, um, especially too, when you consider that, yes, battery electric vehicles do help in the sense that there's less emissions, but also the way you get them is equally bad for the environment. So it's kind of an interesting flip, but I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think about that? I kind of wanted to bring that to the group because I've just been watching these and I've kind of been thinking that it's almost missing the mark in a sense, um, even though creatively it's fantastic. Well, I like your thesis here, Trent. Um, it's, it's interesting, um, to think about because I think you're totally right. Um, there is a lot, uh, I think, within culture right now and a lot within um, what's going on in our political, environmental uh, climates, you know, whether those be in the sky or, you know, among people here on the ground. Um, there's a lot of more being asked, of, uh, I think, of uh, people in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we're kind of, in a lot of ways, I think, challenging the beliefs that have been long held in America and a lot of the world for much of its history, you know, and, you know, we're kind of moving into um, a different sort of space where we need to all be able to work together to be able to take on these big, um, you know, issues, whether it be climate change, uh, whether it be, you know, these uh, sociocultural issues that are going on right now. Um, and yeah, or, which makes it cool that they tie this to the moon, exactly. like, you know, a very much a group effort, but yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, and even looking back on that, you know, there's, um, there's a lot to say too, I think in the current context. And, but I, I think to your point though, um, Trent is that there is going to be, need to be this release valve for that. Um, you know, again, yeah. it's like brands and, uh, you know, governments and just, you know, even people around us are asking more of us, um, to kind of contribute and to be, ready for the future to make a better future together. And I, I think that's truly what everyone wants to do. And I think that we're striving to make that happen. But um, your point being, where do brands fit into that? You know, where do they find a stomping ground or where do they find a place to kind of uh, help us to alleviate our fears or our worries? You know, if those are what the things that we're worried about, you want a company mm -hmm. that's going to be able to say, hey, we've got you covered. Uh, you know, it's hard to make sense of things in this new day and age, um, but we're here to help you. You know, you can trust us. And I think that leading people into the future that way is going to be especially important. Um, yeah. Especially important for these car companies that are going to be dealing with, uh, you know, more dangerous technologies as well. It's interesting. It's, it's very interesting to see this this go on. <laughs> Curious to see how other car companies respond to it too, because it is a classic case of perception as reality in the sense of like Volkswagen's putting so much money behind this that I wouldn't be surprised if in a year we look back and view them as this very forward mm -hmm. eco-conscious company um, mm -hmm. because that, they've done such that. a great job creatively of explaining that vision. We could say that, or we could say, oh, it's very of the moment in in the 2010s, you know, when yeah, those sorts of too. things were becoming more popular too. It's, but yeah. it's interesting just how it will shake out. Go, Zach, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me talk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Volkswagen. So this is, this is 
already something that's really fascinating to me. Um, yeah, but yeah. I feel like there, there are so many different, this is a huge problem, obviously. Um, yeah, you yeah, know, and whenever you have a huge problem, there are multiple different ways to look at it. Um, and I, I'd be curious who the audience they were targeting is because to yeah. your point, there is a huge number of people who don't want to think about the future and don't and want everything. They want to know that they there's people who are working to solve the problem and they don't necessarily have to to worry about it on their own because it scares them. Uh, and then I feel like there's another group of people who really wants to be proactive and wants to be involved in whatever way they possibly can uh, because it's more interesting to them or they feel like they're doing their part. You know what I mean? The people who are yeah. carrying around uh, metal straws and don't use plastic straws at all or uh, mm -hmm. people who bring you reusable bags to the grocery store. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting to me because I'd be curious to see if there's a certain type of consumer they're targeting, because I feel like we have both sides of that coin present, uh, in, in varying quantities. Um, so that's yeah. part one. I'd be really interested to see if, if this is something to your point, Trent, that they had thought through, or if it's something they missed. Um, mm -hmm. the second thing, which is interesting, cause I, I kind of saw it differently than you did, um, is I feel like this was the more of the solution they had to take because of how they trapped yeah. themselves in the past uh, for two reasons. One, I believe when they got in trouble and when they, they, they had billions of dollars to pay, I think they had to make an initiative. I think that was part of the, uh, mm. the agreement that they had to like take a stance and, and start an initiative. Cause I'm, I'm fairly certain they had to, pull a bunch of money into something. It's not even the Volkswagen brand. I think it's like just a third party or, or a separate company that's doing a bunch of research. And I, I don't know for certain, but I'd be curious uh -huh. to know what the stipulations were. Cause I wonder if they were told they had to do it more so this way than, uh, than being able to just keep it internalized, you know? Uh -huh. um, that's interesting. And the second part of that too is, while you were saying you don't know if it's genuine for them to for them to say, OK, I want you to get involved. I'm curious if people would trust them if they said, trust us, we have it taken care of. Don't worry about a thing, because last time they did that was when it was when that didn't happen, you know. And so I'm curious if for them, they saw the point being because of where they were in the past, they ruled out the fact like maybe it's not the best for us to say, hey, we've got this taken care of and maybe they wanted to bring the, the customer in and the consumer into that conversation because yeah. they were afraid that saying, don't worry, we're doing better now and we're taking this initiative. We're figuring it all out for you. Uh, wouldn't get them very far. And, and I like, mean, you I had the there, but it also like, cause like I completely agree, but then also the first spot, the big Anthem spot that came out really was about them making it right. And I think they could have continued along though. We're making it right for all of us. You know what I mean? Instead of saying like, Hey, you need to get your shit together too. Mm -hmm. Like, but like, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think there's like a nuance of how you say it. And I think certain brands may be able to pull that off versus other automakers. Yeah, and that's right. There's obviously everyone's going to come yeah. into this space soon. There's a couple people yeah, who already yeah. are, but it's, I, I'm really curious to see what sort of approach the other car makers take because not everyone's going to be able to say, drive something bigger 
you know, we're making a change. You need to help, you know, like there's going to be a bunch of different messaging yeah. that we see. So I'm curious to see uh, how it kind of plays out for everyone and, and where people sort of take their, their stances. It's interesting. Okay. It's It'll be interesting. Yeah, I problem. think, I think, I think that's, I think that's such a good point to, uh, Zach about, they said this before they said, trust us before and look at what's, what happened. Yeah. And I think that that is one thing that brands, all, a lot of brands are going to have to deal with. It depends on the space. But again, I know I brought up Facebook before. I know I'm always bringing it up. But I mean, shattering consumer confidence, companies that have <laughs> are not transparent at all and tell you that they will handle it um, yeah. routinely do not handle it well. But if, so. if it's a company that is doing that and they have they've built trust with their consumers, it works amazing. You okay. know what I mean? Like that's why it's so exactly. interesting because Apple. it... It's yeah, Apple is a good a good representation, but there's there are so many companies that that works so well for. So it's just fascinating to see who's going to be able to take that leap, who's going to be able to go forward with that and have that work for them versus something like this versus something different. Who, who's going to be the car company that says, eh, we don't really care about electric vehicles, you know, like I'm sure there's going to be one exactly. at some point. Like it's just so well, that's what I'm wondering, too. Like you have exactly. all these like smaller like luxury like sports vehicles you know like that are known for creating vehicles that are like good for like the gasoline you smell and like the power of their engines and like i feel like a lot of those more smaller brands wouldn't necessarily have the same resources to invest like this and obviously most of them are owned anyway but it's going to be curious to see like how like the market continues to segment out Mm -hmm. um and your point about who are they targeting, it's an interesting thing because like battery electric powered vehicles are, are only going to be more expensive because the scarcer and scarcer the resources required to make a battery for a car get, the more they're going to cost. Um, so it's not like, uh, actually, I just lost my train of thought. Um, my power train of thought. That's a fun probably car. Did you do oh, Did you guys get that? Uh, I caught that. Yeah, you caught that. That's that funny. Uh, good for you. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's oh oh I remember because um the people who could afford that car now are older. Like you know what I mean like you may have Gen Z people or millennials that are on board, but most people can't afford it one of those types of cars and like we see battery powered cars like 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 tesla that keep trying to get that thirty thousand dollar forty thousand dollar car that it's just really hard to hit that in a consistent manner and have it still be like a product that's worth buying so i wonder in a way because this is very clearly a brand campaign they're trying to rebrand volkswagen and i wonder if they're trying to speak to younger consumers who can't afford their cars now, but in a few years down the line, once more of those cars are readily available, would be able to buy it then. I could see that being a potential angle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's interesting to see how that is uh, that is shaped out. And it'll be interesting to see how this affects Volkswagen. I mean, a lot of car companies, like this is really, car companies are facing the, uh, really the greatest change since I think the car was first invented. Um, it's really kind of the new challenge of the century. And I think a lot of car companies may die out or not make it past to this point if they can't transition to these alternative fuels and provide steady, reliable, affordable options. 
and it'll be interesting to see how like as competition gets even fiercer like how these companies continue to to market themselves and and to that point uh about them the the industry facing the greatest change they've ever faced it's also multifaceted because you've got alternative fuel options coming to fruition and also autonomous driving vehicles coming to fruition at the same time and those two are very different, but they both have major complications on the industry and, and what's going to happen to it in the future. So it's, it's, it's a weird time to be a car maker. Right now. Mm-hmm. It's a very challenging and time. To, to be a car <laughs> and to your point, Trent, uh, I think it was important, your distinction there of who are they talking to? Yeah. And you look at these campaigns and these, like, these are long spots that aren't necessarily all even going to air completely on TV. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the, and all the cars that they're marketing are not even out yeah, yet. They don't have a and yet. so exactly. And yeah. so it's, it, it, it's, it's for that future. And there, and it's, it's interesting to see again, them starting so early or how that will take shape over time. And as you said, you know, what if, you know, electric power becomes more expensive over time? You know, do we see a future where, you know, half of the market's driving electric, half of it's driving gasoline? And then where do car companies have to stake their claim on that? You know, is it going to be Dodge? Is it going to be, you know, all gasoline or something like that? And then we see, you know, Toyota is like, uh, you know, all electric or something. Or how does that shake out? You know, and so it's it's interesting. And like you said, it's for the first time since really the, the car has been created and these companies are really unlike a lot of any other company in you know in history and they and they have to find a way to define themselves for a world that's never existed before mm-hmm. and so it's exciting it's it, it's a total shit no exactly it's the biggest shift that they will see in their brands i mean again possibly ever some of them yeah like you said zach some will die some will make it mm-hmm. Who's left will buy the <laughs> remaining corpses of uh, the losers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hopefully some of them are still owned by American companies. So that doesn't see. charge you up. I don't know what does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, charge you up, he says. Choice of words, Trent. Choice of words. <laughs> okay. Stop oh, for the oh. They better watch out. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, I'm going to switch gears on you here, particularly because there's a pretty interesting article that I read that's pertaining to both of you. Uh, It's entitled, yes, it's entitled 10 ways to kill an intern. Last time I checked, (laughs) both of you were interns, so this could get juicy. Well, last time I yeah. It's okay. A little salt in the wood. <laughs> that wasn't meant to be. That wasn't meant to be. No, I know. I know. I just get it. Keep going. Keep going. Copywriter. <laughs> keep yeah, going. I've been keep doing going. this for a year now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, there was a really interesting. Um, article that came out on AdAge entitled 10 Ways to Kill an Intern that discusses, believe it or not, 10 different ways that you could kill an intern. Uh, so I kind of uh. want to run through these with you. I'm going to share my thoughts as well because, you know, I was an intern not too long ago and I still relate to a lot of this even as a junior. Um, sure. But I want to I want to kind of go through these with you guys and hear your hear your take. So it was uh, this article was written by someone from Mechanism. Um, 
speaking on some things he's learned from exit interviews from interns that they've had in the past. I don't know if they were all from Mechanism, if they're from different places. Uh, it doesn't really get into that, but it's it's just stuff that he's picked up along the way or she. I also don't know that because I didn't look. Want want. Um, but <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. Okay, it was Tommy. it was Tommy. His name's Tommy. You're cool. <laughs> um, but I wanted to run through these ten tips or these ten different uh, statements that he made and kind of talk with you guys about what you think about them. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, number one of the ten ways to kill an intern is uh, being clear about your hiring expectations. Uh, talking about being clear up front that an internship might not re- result in a job offer and uh, alleviating broken hearts and using your connections and social platforms, blah, 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 to help them find jobs. Um, what yeah, do you guys think about like that? The 10 ways to save an intern really then. Like, yeah, it really is, which is <laughs> the funny part. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I'll start. Uh, yeah. Yeah, do this. Um, <laughs> as, uh, as someone who is a graduate, uh, someone who's looking for a job, you know, that was one of the biggest things that I took into account when looking at agencies and looking at internships, you know, if, um, I mean, obviously the places can't, no, no agency could promise a hire. And obviously that's down to the intern team, the work you do there. Um, but a lot of it comes down to timing. And so, uh, being upfront with what, you know, budgets are looking like and, you know, how that's all going to shake out, um, as, you know, as clear as you can, I think is super helpful. And then if it doesn't, you know, using your resources as well, obviously that's, um, really appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like, a, you know, I mean, I, I witnessed this last year and then being in this position now, it's a very interesting place to be in. Um, I think, you know, asking what are the staffing needs of the team? You know, is the team fully staffed right now? Is there a need for a junior role? Um, I, I think asking those questions in the interview process, asking historically what has been the typical carryover rate from, you know, interns to full-time hires. Um, and if they don't have an idea, then that's a little bit of a red flag because it means it's probably not at the forefront of their mind to hire on. Um, you know, it, all those little things you can ask. And I think that this is super important. I mean, even in my management classes, I mean, realistic job previews and are super important and increase work uh, satisfaction. And I think with that is realistic hiring expectations too. Like I want to know, am I taking a chance at a really well-known agency that I know I'm not going to get hired at, but I can use that to go almost anywhere because I have a great name or do I want to take a job at an internship, like an internship at a company that, you know, I know I have a good strong odds of being hired on because I want that stableness and that, you know, stability to know where I'm going to be working, you know, at the end of the summer. Like that's something that I think each intern needs to have the ability to judge. And while it's hard to tell, I think it's super important to at least be honest with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is number one and it might be in my opinion, the most important, or at least one of the most important, because obviously our lives aren't standing still. I remember when I was there a year ago, you almost wish you could pause time as you're waiting for other people to get back to or to give you a hint Uh on whether or not you're going to get hired or not if they weren't being transparent. You know, and some are and some aren't. But 
it would be so beneficial if, if everyone was upfront, very honest with you. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to guarantee you anything, but just letting you know, hey, typically this is what happens. Yeah. Or, you know, we really like you. And if there's a spot available, we want you, but maybe we won't have one, you know, mm-hmm. like stuff and like that. Interesting in the role, like helps you know where you're yeah. staying. And I'm always asked by like other people, like, how do you even approach a conversation with your boss about a full-time offer? And I'm like, just ask, like, be, be upfront, like, Hey, you know, I've really enjoyed working here. Um, you know, I see myself growing on this team. I think it's a great opportunity, um, or whatever reason you have and be like, you know, like, I know this is early, but what are the odds of me getting hired on at the end of the summer? I think the more you vocalize that you want to work there full time and, and keep talking about that and open a dialogue with your direct report or even HR talent, like, the worst they can say is no. And then at that point, you know, and you can start looking elsewhere or it can start a dialogue and they become aware that you're interested. And, you know, it it just helps to always be communicating what you want because no one's going to advocate for you, uh, but you in the workplace. Um, So I think that's Mm -hmm. super important. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Number two, uh, preaching your purpose, meaning uh, when you walk into the office on day one, uh, what he's saying here is that you should have it. You should have a setup for the interns when they come in, maybe someone high up in the company talking about the mission or vision of the agency, what makes them tick, uh, really kind of putting on a show. So they really are, you know, fired up about being there and fired up about the culture, about the people they work with, about what the agency is doing and where it fits into the greater mm-hmm. landscape. Uh, what are your, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Have you experienced if, that if before? I don't believe uh, in the agency, I'm going to feel pretty depressed. Because I feel like, why am I working all these hours for a company that I don't share the same vision they have for the creative space? Um, I think a mother did a great job at that, where literally the first day we were in this meeting room, they're walking us through and, you know, they, they called out Droga 5 about being a fake independent. They talked about how mother was really fiercely independent and why that mattered and what that meant and how it influenced the work, you know. It just sets the tone for your whole summer. Like, this is why we're here. And if you can tell your interns and show them what really is driving your culture and why it matters, um, I think you'll get everyone as kind of a rallying cry around that. And I think it makes the internship so much more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think that I think that this is is also super important. Um, you know, to have the motivation to feel like the work that you're doing and the work that the people around you are doing is important and that, you know, that, that what you're doing has a purpose, I think. And that's, I think that that's super important. And because especially in this industry, um, you know, there's a lot of places where you can, uh, you know, punch in and punch out, uh, do a lot less work and probably make a lot more money too, um, doing similar things. But in advertising, you know, and the people that do it, the people that run, you know, the great creative shops and put out amazing work, they do it because they care. They do it because they want to make good work and they do it because it's something that matters to them. And so, you know, the only way that you're going to be able to tap into that, to feel that, to get that passion, I think, um, that what you're doing is making an impact and that the team that you're working for is doing good work. I think that that's such a motivating factor that, of course, I mean, uh, I think it's always good to, to preach the purpose of the company. But I do also think that it's important to be honest, too, about, you know, there's it's not always sunshine and yep. roses and it's not always about, you know, the yeah, yeah. the uh the amazing, you know, flash that, you know, brings everyone there to work hard because, you know, there are going to be hard days. And I think it's important to, 
be, you know, take the good and the bad, but yeah, obviously definitely. inspire with purpose. Mm -hmm. I, I actually had a, a really interesting time when I was interning in New York. Um, I didn't have this sort of preacher purpose talk uh -huh. on day one. Uh, I had all my orientations and I, I, you know, I got the mission and vision of the company from, from lower level, like director level people, but not like the CEO or founder or anything like that. Uh, I ended up having that preacher purpose talk that they're referencing here. Uh, I want to say like mm -hmm. week three, okay. maybe week four. Uh, so it was, a, it was after I had already been in the agency for a little bit. Um, and I thought that was really awesome. Not saying that it's any better than doing it on day one, because I feel like if you do it on day one or day 30, whatever it is, it, it, it has the same effect. But to me, what I liked about it that way is it only affirmed sure. what I was already thinking because uh, I had already been having a good time. And, and I know a lot about the industry. Obviously, we we do this podcast and we're kind of hey, nerds hey. when it comes to this stuff. Uh, hey, I hate to admit it. No. Cool <laughs> so like I already I already understood. <laughs> I understood where we fit in. So this is more of a personal anecdote. Like yeah. I understood what I was doing and and had all of that. Uh, so what it did for me was it really affirmed who we were as a company and, and where we were going uh, looking forward after I had already seen under the hood and sure. working on the day to day. Uh, and it, and it really gave me kind of a, a nice little boost that obviously happened where what could have been a lull in my time there just because it was, you know, I was starting to get set in my ways. Uh, I figured everything out and onboarding was done. So I was really, you know, working in the day to day. So it was, it happened at a cool time where it was invigorating to get mm -hmm. it about halfway through uh, to really propel me to, to a new understanding where I had already developed one. Uh, but I definitely think this has to happen whether it happens day one or day 10 or whatever, whenever you can get the founder to, to get in front of the interns or the agency. In my case, it was, it wasn't just for the interns. This was sort of a repositioning, not a repositioning, but a reaffirmation for the entire agency. The founders were sharing their perspective on where we were going and what we had been building towards for the past couple of years, because they were, they were pretty small. They were more of a startup. So it was a lot of go, go, go. And this was more of a, let's take a step back and, and get everyone on the same page again. So you guys understand why we're making the decisions we're making. Yeah. Which no, was really a cool. super smart point. And I think again, check-ins, like whatever you can do to always keep a constant flow of, com you know, conversation between intern and employee, I think always helps reinforce that too. What do you, uh, what do you have next on that list? I know uh, we'll want to move through these so we don't, we can let the, uh, the sound yeah, listeners yeah, yeah. go. Sorry, I sounds. spoke a lot tonight. <laughs> Um, all right. Building micro mentorships. Um, that's number three. Uh, I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory, but assigning a mentor or multiple mentors in the agency uh, to someone when they come in. Um, what do you guys I think about it's that? great. Um, pretty much all of my internships have had a mentorship role. Um, I think the great thing is it gives you a support system to bounce ideas off, to learn, to get a better understanding of the place. And, you know, I think, you know, when you're hired on full time, you know, I think you're expected to shift from being a mentee to a partner. Um, but the nice thing about a good internship is you kind of have three months to grow in that mentee role and really learn before you start full time as a partner, you know what I mean? And are expected to collaborate in a different way. So I think, mm -hmm. I think that's yeah. a great way to bounce ideas off. Yeah. So, um, 
to this point, uh, micro mentors, I feel like, um, uh, yeah, the, the micro mentorship, just because I feel like there have been so many times that I have had experiences like this with these little micro mentorships that really do end up going a long way. And one thing that I always think back to is even, um, uh, a very special person that was on our podcast uh, about a month and a half ago, Mike Pedito. Hey, um, you know, that was, I think that's a great example of a micro mentorship. I mean, I wasn't an intern at the time, but, um, you know, his words stuck with me for two years practically and, uh, you know, are still things that I remember today and go hand in hand with these things that we're talking about today, you know, ask for the things you want, work harder than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Super important. Um, and so I think that these, they really can last a career and those lasting impacts, they shape to the way that you view the industry. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, people that are acting as mentors should really take that even as an opportunity for themselves to really, you know, be a mentor to someone else and then, you know, really help them to, uh, grow in that sort of positive way, especially if you want to make, you know, a positive impact in the industry, whatever that may look like. Um, super important. Yeah. yeah. And, well and sometimes, uh, sometimes the best mentors are the ones that are unplanned and not forced. Often, Definitely. most of the times that's true. So that's yeah. just one thing, uh, a testament to micro mentorships that, that can happen anywhere, anytime that you don't necessarily, uh, force yourself into are really beneficial. Mm-hmm. talk to people yeah Definitely. all right how about the next one uh throwing them to the wolves uh and the first line Ooh. of this one is shit on my work please uh so this is about actually giving critical feedback you don't have to be mean but giving critical harsh feedback not sugarcoating anything what do you guys think of that um i'm there to learn and i know that i don't know what i don't know and i know that i know some things but other things could be better and i think the whole point of me being there is because I respect their opinion and I want to learn how I can get better. And if they're not doing that out of a, out of a want to be polite and not hurt my feelings, that's great. But you know, like you can't grow that way, I think. So it's, you know, definitely want to have my work shit on as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent agree. Um, I feel like you learn way more from your mistakes than your successes. Um, and so when someone is there to, you know, point something out or even if it's not, you know, a mistake, but even if it's just a pointer, um, I think those are always, uh, opportunities for growth. And so looking at those as, you know, not being as someone, you know, being super critical or, you know, hating what you did, but looking at it as, okay, this person has a perspective. I have a perspective. I mean, obviously this would be different for creative work than, you know, maybe something a little bit more analytical, but, um, point being, you know, it's, it's not just down to opinion. These are probably someone that's been doing it a long time and, you know, they have a lot of valid, uh, experience as well. And, you know, the more that you can take from that, uh, then, you know, the more that you can learn from their lessons without having to do it so much yourself, I think is, uh, super important. And so, yeah, take the, take that, take the shit. Take, Take the shit at work. I guess, yeah, while we're young, while we're young, we can do that. But, you know, not, not forever, obviously. Yeah. Um, so what, what do we got next, Zach? Uh, next is don't hide them from mm. clients. Pretty self-explanatory. Okay. You guys think? Yeah. Uh, please don't. Um, look, I get that 
agencies, especially bigger ones, have big brands. And I get that different people are weird about interns. And some people are like, oh, I'm paying you millions of dollars. Why am I working with an intern? You know what I mean? I think that's, like, I get it. Because like, it's a very justifiable reason why some internships don't have this. But I think that's why it's important for you to not only look for a big internship, but also to look for an internship at a smaller agency, especially a local agency. Because oftentimes... I mean, obviously, if you're in L.A. or New York, you're spoiled, but there's still smaller staffed agencies that allow you to take on more work as an intern. I think you ultimately learn more from that being thrown into the fire. And also, you typically get more client interaction that way. And like the client interaction I had during my first internship was invaluable and definitely shaped my intern path and my career path already because I learned so much right off the bat from working at them, what to say, what not to say you know, how to handle their, their different mannerisms and know what would go over well, you know, I think that helps you grow so much, uh, not just as a creative, but even in, in accounts or even in strategy. I think anytime you get to work with a person on the other side of the email, um, I think it's, it's so invaluable. Definitely. And I mean, yeah, the more face-to-face client time you can get, the better. Um, in the end, you know, that's what drives the agency, um, you know, and, whether it's, you know, being able to present to clients, being able to speak with them, understand, uh, you know, the things that they worry about and what they're expecting um, will all help you be better at your job and also help you to gain visibility uh, within the agency. Um, you know, if clients like you, if clients like interacting with you, then, then you know, you're going to be, you're gonna be uh, interacting with them yeah. more, most likely. So, um, you know, that's one point. Um, to help, help you grow. Um, but also realizing too, you know, this is, uh, these are our stakeholders in a way, um, understanding, you know, how to work with them and work around them, uh, when you need to. So I think it's important. Nice. All right. Next we've got art copy and context. Uh, this bullet is talking about the fact that oftentimes interns get thrown in and they're really doing lower rung work. Uh, and that inhibits you oftentimes from, from understanding the entire process that goes into creating an ad because you only get to see a small speck of the, of the entire project. Uh, so what, what this is advocating for is allowing interns to see a project from start to finish. Uh, this is what you typically get when you see the agencies that do intern projects. It doesn't necessarily have to be a real project, but it's a project where they get to understand the entire process. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> some mixed feelings about this one, I think. So I'm curious um, what you guys think. But, but uh, ideally, yeah, if it's a real project, that's awesome. But if not, is it more valuable to just work on this lowest of the low little piece of a project or work on a uh, a fake project that you get to see from start to finish? I mean, okay. So it, I'm also conflicted on this. Um, I think it really depends on how... like. Uh, I mean, let's call this what it is. Typically, this is the intern project. Um, And I think it can be really great if it's structured right. And it can also be really fucking terrible if it's structured wrong. Um, And it just really depends. I've had good and bad. Um, Regardless of if I enjoyed it or not, I always learned something from it. So they're beneficial either way. Um, I think it's just... If you know that it's an internship where there's not going to be a lot of client facing opportunities or you know that there's not a lot of work they'll be able to get on just because of your production cycles, I think that 
this is perfect. But if it's an internship where there's already a lot of work, I think that it can create some disenfranchisement among interns where they would rather be working on the real work that matters to them and they think that they can learn from instead of feeling like they're getting pulled away to work on something that isn't real and won't be out in the world. So it really depends on how your internship is structured. I think it can be perfect um, if it's to kind of you know, as like an accent to something already going on. And it's a smaller project like at Saatchi. I know the strategy interns every week are given a, a topic that they need to, to research and come up with a brief on. And I think little things like that that are like on a week to week basis are perfect. Um, you know, so it really just depends on the structure. I think it, it, it can be great or it can be hard to manage. But either way, I think you're always learning something from it, which is good. Mm-hmm. So I think I think a. Uh... I kind of have a little bit of a different perspective on this, I guess. Um, And, you know, this can be in the context of the intern project, because I think that's something that pretty much across the board kind of summarizes what this is trying to say, you know, whether or not you just want to be working on the small assignments that are going to help you, you know, maybe practice the skills that you'd be using in your job versus getting a chance to see how the whole agency functions and operates um, more so. Um, And so I I think from my perspective, um, you know, being a more analytics, maybe more a little bit of strategy focused side, I think that context is super important. Um, You know, even uh, my internship now, you know, it's it's super important for me to know, you know, if I'm trying to, let's say, like pull a report or something or put together an analysis of, you know, social media or something like that, you know, I if I don't know, oh, well, we ran this these last few months and this is impacting the creative we're doing now, or, you know, uh, these, this is our strategy on this platform versus this platform. And not, if you don't know one, who to talk to about certain things to get context, or if you don't know, um, you know, what's going on in the account, you're going to draw conclusions that might not necessarily be correct. Um, and so, I think from my perspective, context is key. Um, and so, um, and again, that is from more of the strategy side of things that requires you to take a more kind of holistic approach. But I think that, um, I think that it's super important to know what's going on in the agency, um, beyond your little corner of it. Nice. All right. Next on the list, teaching meeting feeder, uh, teaching your interns how to sell, or at least letting them in the room so they can see how you as an agency sell your ideas. (laughs) I think this is super important. Um, I think one putting interns in a position where they need to pitch ideas or present constantly is good. I think also, um, I mean, for me working on new business and seeing people prep for pitches, I think was always super beneficial. And, um, it really is theater in a way like you're selling something, you're selling an idea. It's not like they can pick it up and hold it. You really need to tell that story and get them to, to imagine what it would be like and show them what it would be like. And I think that that's super important. Um, and there was a book I read recently too, called junior, um, by Thomas Kameni that, um, talks about it from a creative's perspective of what it's like being a writer in an ad agency. And, he mentioned a line too that I thought was super important about how clients will always want to fill dead space. And, you know, oftentimes like people in general always want to fill dead space in conversation. And oftentimes in a client's case, or even in like, maybe you're like uh, someone on your team's case, typically they may think something's great and it gets kind of awkwardly quiet. 
And then before you know it, they're trying to fill the space. They talk, start asking more questions. And before you know it, suddenly they don't like the idea anymore and you're kind of screwed. And it's like, you know, you need to know the flow of a meeting. Sometimes you need to know when it's time to end the meeting and move on to the next topic or when it's time to continue to further down a conversation point. So I think doing this is great experience for any intern. Uh, definitely. Uh, again, again, going back to micro mentorships, um, I had someone tell me once that, you know, when you're in, when you're in a meeting, it's like business theater, you know, you're really putting on a show, um, you know, whether or not you're the person standing at the front of the room, or like you were saying, Trent, the person talking, talking mm-hmm. to clients, trying to work over an idea. Um, it's important that you understand, uh, this is where EQ really comes into play as well. Um, but being able to understand how they're feeling, um, you know, when you present an idea or when you, you know, say something to them, um, that's new, you're going to get, you're going to be able to see their opinion from the first second, you know, when you look at them, especially on their face, even if they don't say anything. And, you know, one, being able to read those cues to be able to help you to play off of that and perform better is super important. But then also, too, I think just the understanding of how you sell an idea, um, because I think uh, presenting is something that I really love and enjoy. Um, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the industry uh, as a whole. And I think that, you know, salesmanship is, is kind of a part of it too. Um, or saleswomanship rather. Salespersonship um, is important because you need, to, you need the client to grab onto that, to be able to see that as something that they need, that they are, you know, missing out if they don't, take this opportunity and, you know, being able to do that with an idea is half the battle, you know, selling it to the clients, you know, probably yeah, the most exactly. difficult parts of the entire um, you know, campaign. And so if you're able to do that well, or if you have someone in there that is, has maybe been working with the clients in the past, maybe knows how they work a little bit better, uh, you're probably going to have a better pitch and uh, maybe get more of your ideas and your creatives will get to play around. Definitely. More, so. Thank you. That's important. Nice. All right. Moving along. Uh, mm-hmm. Serving up the Kool-Aid. Uh, what he's speaking about here is really letting your interns understand the culture of your agency <laughs> before they go out the door, like really immersing them into it. Uh, the argument being that culture is many times the most important piece, the most important element of an agency, because that's how they differentiate themselves. Well, okay. Uh, what do you guys <laughs> I think? might be weird. I don't know. This is going to be an interesting way to phrase this, but I want to feel like I'm in a cult. Um, (laughs) Like I nice. Like, I mean, look, there's a reason why every ad agency you mention, someone's going to have something shitty to say about it. And then someone else is going to be like, um, no, actually it's the fucking best. And it's like, you should Mm -hmm. be like, there's rivalries for a reason, because I think in a creative industry, how you go about things and what your vision is for putting creative out in the world matters. And like, I want to be at a place where I buy into that vision. I feel like I can feel that throughout the company. Um, because like, again, you're going to spend more time with your team and advertising than your family. And it's like, if you're going to be working with those people for so long, you have to have something that is a shared belief that you're fighting for and believe in. And I, Cause I just think it adds so much of an extra meaning to it and makes it more of an enjoyable experience. And I think being able to see that throughout the office, whether it's how you talk in a meeting or how you go about your work or just how people interact in the hallways, I think is so important. And, you know, I really just want to indoctrinate me into that cult, man. Give me to see the vision. I'm and I'm and I'm yours. <laughs> Drink the Kool Aid, man. There you go. Um, 
I, I, yeah. So I, I, I really like this. I, so I don't know. Again, I love the, I love your point though, Trent. Is that every agency, you know, has someone yeah. has their as someone's going to hate them and someone's going to love them, um, because they have personalities, you know. Um, and I think that. You know, if you're working on a team with someone, obviously advertising, you know, there are some late nights um, and, you know, the people that you're uh, up at 11 a.m. with eating pizza or even yeah. just a happy hour uh, the next day, <laughs> uh, you know, you want those to be people that you enjoy spending time with and that you feel like you get along with and are mm-hmm. supporting a collective, you know, vision. Um, and, you know, you kind of have to tell people some crazy things to get them to do the crazy things <laughs> that they want to do in advertising. <laughs> uh to make ads you know and but that's an important part mm-hmm. of the process that's called building a team you know and so i think that um you know having those personalities at play one makes the industry and agency more fun but you know it, it makes you feel i think a little bit more like you're a part of something um i know one thing that um even in my current agency now i think Mullenlow has uh one of the strongest cultures of you know any agency i've been at so far and i really feel it you know and it, it, it feels more alive you know you feel like there's a bit more energy mm-hmm. a bit more you know binding everyone together um and i think that's super important for creating a cohesive team and in turn creating great work yeah. Um, and as an intern, I guess we're talking about interns still, we're getting a little bit broad, I guess, but, or I am rather, but, um, yeah, you know, tell the interns about the culture, um, bring them in. It's just going to make them want to stay even more. Yeah. Culture, culture is 100% crucial. Uh, and and like you said, it gives you something to believe in. Definitely. And one thing too, final thing on that point is that, you know, as an intern, I think as well, if you feel like the people that you're working with, your boss and the other people around you, even the other interns are buying into that culture. If you feel like that you're being accepted into that, I think that that is then a super big, you know, one motivator and confidence booster to help you do better work at your agency then as well. And if you realize you don't like it, it's the perfect way to be able to tell that you should transition into a different company that fits more of what you're looking for as well. Exactly. Exactly. All right, moving right along. Uh, this one's entitled, Dude, Where's My Portfolio? Probably a little bit more focused on creatives, but I think it it works for everyone. It's uh, giving your intern something to come away with, making sure that they actually got something, a piece of work uh, or a, a strategy, whatever it may be, something that they can speak to when they leave. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard from an account's perspective. I, there have been, for me, it's it's the spot that's on TV or it's the you know, the brochure, it's, you know, whatever the end product was, um, which I guess the same for creative, but I think from creative, the fact that you're working on it more, like you need to give them opportunities to create, which I think again is where the intern projects are maybe a little bit more beneficial to creatives in the sense of it gives them an opportunity to keep creating work. But I mean, shit, man, like your portfolio is how you get hired. Like you need to find ways to let interns create and then critique them and help them grow and mentor them like that's why they're there is to learn how you do creative so well and i think that that's one of the most important things i know we talked about you know the first one on the list about you know hiring expectations being clear Uh, that's important too but ultimately like you need to make sure that you're giving them opportunities to make work and and to critique them and judge them on it so that they can grow Mm -hmm. definitely um i think that again so Coming from my perspective, uh, it's not, I wasn't so much creating a portfolio, but, well, I guess I, I did create a portfolio in a way though. Um, 
you know, I don't have a website, but I kind of used uh, sort of a more of a portfolio of different clients I worked on, reports and stuff, analytics being a little bit more specific in some of that, uh, just with like the tech stack that I use and whatnot. But um, it it still plays into the fact that you need experience to be able to get further in the industry. And in the end, this is an industry that's built off of, uh, you know, name value. It's, it's built off of what people know and perceive as good work. And, you know, if you have big clients or big agencies, um, work in your portfolio, that's going to help push you further. Um, and so one, you know, landing the opportunity to get an internship is one, is hard enough, but then once you're there, if you're not able to get the experience that you need to be able to grow, then you know what was even the point. And yeah. so, you know, I think that if you're taking someone on as an intern, you should have the intent of helping them grow um, through their creative work, if that's the you know the outlet that they need or whatever um, work is needed there, um, just to you know. Uh, give them something that they can speak to some experience. Um, you know, and again, if it's a big client or a big name, you know, that's going to go so much further. Um, but yeah, cause I mean, like you said, Trent, it's something you you really have to have. Well, and like, I I think off that point too, cause this is actually something I kind of am passionate about just because like going back to mentors too, like if you're going to assign a mentor to like, anyone but especially a creative make damn well sure that they're one committed enough and two have enough bandwidth to be able to actually be their mentor for the whole summer because i've seen creative interns that literally are told that their mentors no longer have time for them sorry you know what i mean and then at that point how do you even create work because who's there you know you have to advocate for yourself of course but suddenly you just feel like you're floating in an agency and you have really no one that you know and you don't know where to find work and it makes things that much harder and that really can doom your whole intern experience and make sure that you have a harder time getting jobs and if you're in that position listening like i'm sorry that fucking sucks it can be overcome i know people that have done it and are at amazing places now but it still makes it such a hard, hard spot to be in. And I think it's just so important that, you know, you have like a mentor paired with you that actually is committed to your success and wants to see you grow a mentor you throughout it and has the time to do it. I think you won't, there's no shortage of people who want to help, but there is a shortage of people who have the time. And I think that that's super important to, to balance out too when you're structuring a program. All right, guys. And the last way to kill slash save an intern on this list. Uh, the art of the mock interview, preparing your interns to be able to go out into the world and land that job by helping them practice the interview process. Huh? Okay. The, I guess it's kind of, I don't mean this to sound like yeah. arrogant. This might sound arrogant, but like in my mind, like if you got hired, you obviously did good in the interview. So that one's a little bit interesting to me, but like, I think it's a good sentiment. And I think it goes along with the idea again of like, you know, help, especially if you can't hire them, help prepare them on what they can do and what to look for when you're interviewing, what kind of questions to ask, and also, you know, how to, how to answer certain questions. I think that's helpful for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's, I think this is probably a more creative focus question, uh, just because it talks about portfolios quite a bit more. And because I think that that's, 
I mean, I guess that's Zach, something that you could speak to a little bit better than me, but you know, that's something that's a little bit more important. What work you show, how you present it, um, you know, that kind of goes a whole different way in a creative interview, but, um, kind of going back to Trent's point there too, you kind of, you know, if you have the interview, you probably already at least know a little bit or you vibe with someone uh, in some sort of way. And I guess, um, you know, not everyone that's coming into advertising is coming from business school. Um, whereas I feel like that's something that really gets put punched into your head. Um, you know, how to do an interview. It's something you go over a lot of times, you know, you, uh, do mock interviews, uh, you know, a few times a year, you go to career, uh, events mm-hmm. and stuff at career fairs, you know, that's what it's more built around, or at least our program was, um, but it, you know, it can be difficult if you don't have that background. And so I can definitely see how, you know, coming from, let's say an art school or something like that, you would definitely need that assistance. And maybe that does need to come from the creative department in that sense. But I almost feel like that's part of the micro mentorship thing. Um, and just kind of things that you pick up more. So, um, I'm not sure. Zach, what, what's your, yeah, kind of take uh, on this? this one definitely to me seems a little bit more creative focused and, and particularly, I think, uh, the thing to focus on uh, is selecting the right work because that can be difficult. Even if you're a great interviewer, um, it's really tough to know what recruiters are looking for. Uh, most people know quality over quantity. You don't necessarily need to have a ton of projects in your book yeah. uh, as long as you've got a few very good ones. But some, depending on what they're hiring you for, some people might want to see some lower level work like in email, you know, and what is the benchmark for a good creative email when it's something that's a lot more technical versus a print ad where you can really have freedom. And so knowing those sorts of nuances, I think would be beneficial uh, and, and was beneficial to me in talking with my mentors. Same goes for like a banner ad or maybe you're even doing some like website copy that's really technical where you don't get to come up with a flashy headline and a really strong you know, campaign or idea, but it's, it's more technical, but some people are looking for that. And some recruiters want to see that you can do that. And how do you differentiate and understand which of those pieces are valuable enough to put in versus leave out? So I definitely do think when you're talking about selecting the right work, this is a very valuable piece to have. as well. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, is like, like always talk to the recruiter too, like whether it's the one that brought you in and hired you or someone in the department, like, and just ask them like one, make sure to do feedback you know, check-ins with your, your mentor or someone on your team, but like also talk with recruiters too about like, Hey, this is what I've been doing. How do you think I could best present this? Like, especially if you're a sophomore or junior in an internship role, like how would you think I could best translate this to my resume? And what are you looking for when you're interviewing? Kind of like you said, Zach, cause I think that allows you to continue to build your perspective as well. Um, but that's like a pretty cool list. I like it. I mean, you know, I think, um, we've all been fortunate to have good internship internship experiences on the whole. And I think, you know, a lot of these seem self-explanatory, but you know, like he had said in the article too, like it's hard when you're starting out building a program and you know, if, uh, if you're out there building a program and you want to talk with us some more, how about you come on the show? Yeah. Good, good work guys. I think that that was a, that was a pretty fun topic and you know, it's interesting. There's not a lot of work going on right now that we've seen. So fingers crossed that we get a little bit more next week. Um, but either way, come rain, come shine. Um, uh, we will be here unless we're not here, but typically we'll be here. So again, sorry for missing that episode a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, but go ahead make sure to follow along on uh, Instagram and Twitter at salad underscore podcast and 
you know, there you'll be able to keep up to date with us on all things salad. Um, but yeah, um, good talking. And I think too, just to look down the road, just so you know, um, we're working on looking at new, uh, interview candidates about who we want to have on the show. And, uh, you know, I've also been to a lot of different intern panels and networking events this summer and, uh, had a lot of cool learnings from that. So I think we'll probably do an episode that discusses some of the stuff I've picked up from there coming up soon too. So keep your ears open for that. Um, but yeah, uh, this is Trent, I think, uh, signing off from L.A. tonight, unless uh, you have anything uh, you guys want to wrap up with. No, I'm good. Have a great cool. week, everybody. Yeah, have right a fantastic on. week and enjoy. Enjoy.